0: Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies, we feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me on the reunion tour for round two on the podcast, I have Carl Ye, and he is the senior marketing manager at Benevity. Carl, welcome back to the show,
1: man. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's been a it's been a long time, and really enjoyed the last time. So look forward to this one.
0: Yeah, it was a really fun conversation for those who are listening to this. It was episode one sixty three. Um, I think we, what did we talk about? It was the differences between B2C and B2B marketing. If there really is a line between them these days.
1: Yeah. I think we talked a little bit about the creatives too on, you know, the, the, yeah, those, those big differences. And, you know, what's interesting is like a lot, would you say a lot has changed since we last talked or is it kind of all still the same?
0: Uh, I would say it's more the same or more like blended lines even more when it comes to B2B yeah. marketing and B2C. I think that's yeah. the direction we will continue yeah. to go for sure. Awesome, man. Glad to have you back here. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, before we dive into this topic again, I tell all my guests, I'm like, man, I should have gone back and listened to the, the question I asked, but I just don't. I keep forgetting for some reason, <laughs> regardless uh, opening question for you. Are you an Apple guy or a Samsung guy?
1: You know, I, I, I am an Apple guy and the only reason is that it's so hard to break away from their infrastructure. Like I, I can't like, yeah, I remember I picked up a galaxy phone um, way back back in like 2012 and it was just so hard for me to move everything over. So I, I, I was like, this is, this is too much time <laughs> and i oh fine, I'll keep paying, I think, yeah i'll keep paying tim cook i'll keep paying steve jobs i'm like right right? i have no choice yeah i have no choice right so (laughs) that's that's where it is they uh, they suck you right right in in. yeah and uh, you know the product's good it works fine but it would just be nice to be like hey i'd like to explore that a couple times um just to see what it's all about
0: (laughs) yeah you just have to give them an arm and a leg just to switch over at this point but it is what it is (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) Well, awesome. Uh, Today we have, you know, kind of like a non-traditional agenda. Uh, You know, a lot for those listening, typically I'll hop on like a podcast prep call with my guests and just be like, hey, like what's something on your mind right now? What are some things that are working for you? What's not? And uh, you and I kind of like sketched out a cool agenda for this, which is like a few different pillars that you guys have been working on. And the whole goal of the show is to like give your peers some takeaways. Um, And the first thing that you guys, have focused on and maybe some other companies aren't is YouTube. I mean, I see you have a, a personal channel. I'm pretty sure you guys have a company channel. Uh, so obviously, you know, a few things about that. Um, and I've noticed that not many B2B companies are focused on YouTube. Do you think that that is correct? And if so, is that a missed opportunity?
1: Um. Yeah, I do think it's a missed opportunity, but I also think it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard thing to, to keep up with because Um, On YouTube, it's the little bit, you know, there's that search element, but it's also ensuring that the people keep watching. And that's regardless of what anybody talks about in terms of algorithms, your click-through rates, your thumbnails, your, you know, your hook, your whatever. YouTube rewards people who keep watching your videos. And it is a difficult thing to get people to keep watching um, whatever videos you're producing and to produce it on a consistent basis mm-hmm. um, in a way that is not like, it's not just it, it, there, you know, I've seen some channels that, you know, do a pretty good job of just live streaming everything and just posting it, but it's very rare and, and to continue to do that very difficult. Mm-hmm. So when you say continue watching, Do you
0: mean like individual video watch time or subscribe to the channel and they're coming back because the
1: content is really good? Um, What I've noticed, like, so this is my second company channel that I've ran. And what I've noticed is the majority of your watchers are first time. They're not subscribers, Mm -hmm. although you'd love your subscribers to keep coming back. um, A majority of is, you know, either they found you through suggested from another video or, you know, from search or from the homepage, um, whatever, whatever that is. And it, it's, it's, I think there's a couple of things to it. One is, you know, average view duration, how long people are watching on average for each of your videos, how long people are watching in general. And then this is the stat that we like a lot of YouTubers know, but, um, YouTube doesn't provide is how long, um, were your watchers, did your, did your, I guess, so let me repeat that. How long did um, your viewers stay on YouTube even after Hmm. they left your channel? Right. Because they want to keep people on YouTube. Right. It's not something that you, you, they want you to leave. So just like any other social channel. So yeah, it's overall, overall watch time, overall watch time on the platform, watch time on each and every single video. So that's kind of the, the kind of the game you play is, you know, they want you to keep watching. So how do you create videos that people that, you know, ensure that people keep watching your videos, your channel and so on. Yeah. Um,
0: so with YouTube, like what have you guys been able to achieve? Has this been a long-term goal that you're still working toward? Have you seen, um, some early success signals? Has this been something you've been doing for three years? Like where are you at in the process here?
1: Um, so I kind of followed the playbook that I originally had uh, in my previous role. We built that channel. I think it's still 45,000 subs subscribers right now. And they haven't produced a video since March, 2020. Hmm. So that's all on the back of all the previous videos we did. Um, and then we were getting around 250, 300 hours of watch time a day. Um, so it, it was, it was, it was just growing huge. I think the the most popular video was closing in on a million views Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's all organic. That's none of that is paid. So I took the principles that I learned from that channel, but obviously in a completely different field, because that was a B2B to C, this is B2B. Um, But we followed the same principles, a little bit different, um, tailored for the industry, tailored for the audience, tailored for just how we actually created the videos. Um, But we've uh, in less time we were able to hit the the youtube partner which is the 1000 subscribers 4000 watch hours in a given year uh, which allows you to now monetize Mm -hmm. the the channel which is kind of always been my goal for you know the first goal for any youtuber is to hey get your channel monetized because once you hit that 1000 4000 i do see uh, like For i don't know if it's like a back-end thing or an algorithm thing but every single time i've seen that hit it's popped like Mm -hmm. the channel starts getting more just as long as you can continuously produce content so i mean it makes sense
0: though because youtube like they want to promote a channel that they're going to put ads on (laughs) yeah if there's a channel that's not monetized yet then what do they really care
1: exactly And, and although it's funny though because they it used to be they won't put any ads on channels that aren't monetized, but now they just do like any, anyway. any <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. anyway, they'll, they'll yeah. put it up. And, yeah. and so um, there's, yeah. So that was a big goal. Like that was a channel goal. Like obviously there, there is that create demand capture demand goal that we had um, related to the overall art demand gen program, but just from like the YouTube perspective, that's an always interesting goal to, to hit. Cause that's, I always found that the hardest Things to get on YouTube is your first hundred subscribers, especially if you're starting from scratch. Then your first one thousand. Once one thousand hits, and you get the 4,000, then you've you've you know you've gotten the scar tissue. You've gotten the understanding of hey, what does your audience like? What do they don't like? You've gotten enough videos, and just with the learnings from the past program, with this program, I've done like it took me about two hundred videos with my previous role to hit that 1,000, 4,000 this time, it only took me 65 videos. So there's a lot more, like the learning was faster. Like I understand the algorithm. I understand like the watch times, but you just never know until you start to right. like Mm -hmm. that's the big play is you won't know. And you got to keep going. You got to produce the videos and just like any content program, you know, whether it's linked writing on LinkedIn, whether it's a podcast, like the first six months, yeah, there's no, there's the perception that no one is listening. No one is. And that's where I think the the hardest part to break through for a lot of companies is, Hey, there's no one listening to our podcast. There's no one watching. So why are we keep doing this? Like, just hold on, wait that extra two, three months, mm-hmm. because it really takes that long. And you can see it in our watch time. You can see it in our views. It's like nothing, 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 nothing. It's slowly, slowly. And then you pop. Yeah. But, a lot of brands can't wait that extra three or four months until you actually start popping and you, you reap, you start reaping the benefits. And what, what's interesting now is we used to go out and find guests. Now it's guests are coming to us and it's, it's tough for me to like, Oh, to even balance, like, okay, we're going to, you know, there's too many people and we've got to mm-hmm. balance who's actually coming on the show.
0: So are you guys repurposing, the video and audio from a podcast into the YouTube channel or is it a totally different strategy?
1: Uh, It's focused entirely on YouTube first, then syndicated to a podcast. Mm -hmm. And then if, um, and I learned this the last time, you can actually, if you repurpose this properly to a blog post, and I'm not talking about rewriting, I'm just talking about taking the transcripts, putting some on-page SEO onto it. um, If you do this whole process correctly, you can not only rank, I've been able to rank number one on YouTube Mm -hmm. for content, but also that same content has been able to rank number one on Google as an article and as a featured snippet. Hmm. So it's just that it takes a little bit of a pre-planning because, you know um, for the transcript to rank, you actually have to ask the questions that, you got to, you know, got to do a little bit of Google search on what are the featured snippet questions Mm. that people are asking. So that's kind of a little bit more deeper into the tactics. But yeah, if I ask the exact questions that Google has prioritized for that specific topic, and the person who is literally an expert answers that question, and you just put it on a written format, Mm -hmm. that'll rank. In addition to it ranking on on YouTube. But you know, um, I ha- I do have to give a shout out to to Think Media and Sean Cannell and and the the team there, because that's I think back in 2017, this is pretty much how I learned um, really? to 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 rank on YouTube and, mm-hmm. and to, to do everything. And I followed his steps right to the T. And I know he's he's like his channel's like one, he's has like two or three channels that are in the millions, but wow. Yeah. Just understanding the YouTube part and then syndicating it to the, to the podcast part and just to make sure whatever, however, a person likes to consume content where they're written audio video.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so when it comes to the content itself, it's, is it, it's like a and format with uh, a guest or like thought leadership? What does that look like?
1: Um, so, yeah. Um, usually there's, there's a couple of ways we do it. One is, if I want, if I, if at the very base of everything we do is they ask, it's the strategy of they ask, we answer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a strategy done by Marcus Sheridan, learned from him, uh, my mentor in content marketing. And really the purpose is we want to be, we want to answer every single question that our customers have asked, currently is asking, and will, will ask in the mm-hmm. future. So we get all these questions, we get it from customers, we get it from salespeople, we get it from CX people, we get it from, you know, whoever is in front facing with a customer, we get all these questions, we put it into categories, and then we just then find the expert to answer the question. But in B2B, we expanded it a little bit more, we had a little bit of, um, I guess, uh, ABM elements to it, where we actually now bring prospects onto the show, nice. because it's an easy way for our um, salespeople to have a relationship that is outside the sales environment. Mm-hmm. And we're finding now that wow, it's people are like our sales team wants to put our prospects on because they have a higher close rate once we get them on the show. Yeah. So it was like this is easy. And now we, we are trying people are trying to bring clients onto the show because um we want to improve our client marketing. So mm-hmm. it's it's all, I was like, now I'm trying to balance like, okay, do I want prospects? Do I want the SEO format? Do I want <laughs> yeah. clients? Like, it's You can mix now, it up though. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the benefit of this program, which needs to take six, eight, 12 months to actually now you're seeing the, you know, really the outputs of it um, and, and the long-term benefits of it.
0: And that's something that you guys have started to see over the past six oh, yeah. to 12 months is, okay, this is really starting to pick up now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually in the past, like three to four, because we, we started this program in November of 2020. Mm. That first year was super slow, but then it was actually month, I think month 13, 14, when we saw like the, the actual boom. And that's what I was like. I was just waiting for like a lot of, if you are starting a new YouTube channel or a new podcast. I think that the, the thing, if you like, this is how I kind of gauge if your program's actually working really early is if you get one or two comments, maybe once or maybe once every other month, if people are, if some people are saying, Hey, I love your show. It really helped me out to do this. Mm-hmm. And if it's to help, if it's exactly your target audience, then you know you're on the right track. It's just, it needs time to reach actually. The early in success
0: that. indicators are what you're looking for. Yeah. Like that qualitative yeah. data. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people miss that. They'll oh. write it off. They'll get, oh, we got two comments on our YouTube video. Or we had two yeah. people reach out to us personally and say that we loved our podcast, but yep, CEO says we're going to scrap it because we didn't <laughs> yeah, get any exactly. leads this month. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, to- totally. And that's the thing is like, well, if you re- if you help one person, like what was the goal of your, your 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 show to begin with? Was it to gain the massive followers and gain like, you know, be famous? Or was it to actually help people? And if you help the one person, guess what? I bet you there's hundreds of thousands of people just like that, that one person. It just mm-hmm. takes a little bit of time to reach them,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so when it comes to like this topic, where are B2B companies going wrong? outside of like, they just don't give it enough time. Are there other things that come to mind?
1: Um, I don't think it's, there's anything wrong. I think it's more of, um, I think the, the perception is YouTube is hard. Hmm. I think the perception is, oh, you need a lot of gear. You need, um, a lot of time. And, you know, even though like I've been doing this since like 2017, um, some of the, it's really one of the easiest ways to, to, to get started, like podcasting granted a little bit easier because you're not in front of the camera. And I think the camera thing is a big roadblock too. Um, but it's really just a matter. It, even if you don't have guests, I'm sure in any organization you can find somebody like who is an expert. And if mm-hmm you could be the expert. And if you're the expert, like I said, just take down all these questions that your customers are asking and each episode answer like three of them. That's it. Like that's your episode. And you know, there's all this technical stuff of ripping the audio, putting on podcasts or whatever. But if that's the way you start, it, it really does take you a long time because one, one advice that I've heard in the past is, you know especially for youtubers everyone wants hey i want to get that 100,000 subscribers get my um my silver playlist and like i'm gold mm-hmm. i'm like okay let's say tomorrow you get that 100,000 subscribers right you get monetized but you haven't gone through all the iterations to get to that 100,000 so you are starting brand new you got 100,000 followers and you put out a video wouldn't you think those hundred thousand followers would be like, Hey, this person sucks. This person doesn't know what they're doing. Like this is the worst video I've ever seen. And that's what I mean. It's like, you need to go through the process to reach it. Like you can't, you can't skip it. Like every single, everybody looks at this person's awesome. This podcast is awesome, but they're looking at the iteration today, not their first video. And it's, I always use the example of, um, this, there's this lady, um, the Missouri star quilting company. Have you heard about it? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Probably not. So I think around 2008, she got laid off from her job and her, um, I think her son told her, Hey, what are, what should I do now? And she's like, well, you really like quilting. So why don't you just, you know, show people how to quilt. And she's Mm -hmm. like, okay. So, but I think 10, 15 years later, she now runs a $33 million company called the Missouri Star Quilting Company in Missouri. <laughs> and it was literally just her doing quilting videos every week. I believe it. Yeah. But most people don't see her. Like if you go to her channel now, it's it's like, wow, it's highly produced. You know, she's she's she delivers really well on camera. She speaks very well. But if you actually go and go to her oldest video, you'll see the big, big, big difference. You'll see like, (laughs) this is her. That's probably an iPhone. It's Mm -hmm. super grainy and she's super awkward, Mm -hmm. but that's okay because that's where you need to start. Mm -hmm. Like I think all of us who have our own show who have been doing it for a while, know our first episode probably (laughs) wasn't our best and we're still improving every single time we get on camera, every single time we, we, you know where we'll, we turn on the mic and we 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 hit our intro.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's I mean, the same thing goes for LinkedIn content, a podcast that's just audio, it's like I mean, I have also thought of like the narrative of yeah, well, YouTube you really do need a good camera cuz I guess they they prioritize the quality. And it's probably something I've heard and it's it's interesting because you do have to start somewhere. And a mm-hmm. lot of people will put it off because of oh, I need a really good mic. I need this studio to record it. I need all this expensive gear. It's like what you're saying is, no, you can just start just like some of these other platforms where people are saying that exact same narrative. Yes, just start. And I guess that's like a lesson for me too, because I have come in with the, pre, uh, the notion that like, yeah, uh, YouTube, it needs this quality initially. Like, obviously you want to shoot for that for sure, but you can start out where you're at, get a feel for the game and then continue to innovate and grow.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the t- two other points of that one is uh, like the big, one of the other lessons that, that Sean, like think media and really got me thinking is your first 15 to 20 episodes. That's not for your audience. That's for you. That's for you to improve. Like, even though it's like, yeah, I wish they could rank. And, you know, I wish I could get millions of views, but I'm like, for most channels, for most people, those first episodes, even in your podcast, your first episodes, are for you to figure out, Hey, you know, is, is how, how I look. Okay. How I sound. Okay. Is my intro. Okay. Do I sound awkward? Like I remember my first video, it got made fun of mind you. It popped to like 80,000 views or whatever, but here's one thing. And I think a lot of people, it's just a small thing too. You know, when we're talking to each other in real life, and we we use cues like mm-hmm, yes, like they nodding and, and so on. Now I was doing that in an interview, in a in a shot interview with uh, my expert. And throughout the entire interview, I was I was doing mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, yes, uh-huh, yes, mm-hmm. And for some odd reason, everyone who watched that video picked That's up. That's all they
0: heard, right? <laughs> and
1: all the comments. I would say uh. 250 comments was all about um <laughs> quote unquote yeah because that's what I said yeah uh huh yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's there was one guy he put in he he like typed yeah and he, and like he typed it in like a, a a pattern that is one big yeah and it was oh, like three funny. scrolls three scrolls down <laughs> I'm like you spent all this time just doing that I even like I'm like I love that <laughs> like it was, Thanks for it uh, was,
0: f- commenting to feed the algorithm, yeah. bro. Cause this is really healthy. <laughs> that, that's
1: what I'm saying. But I remember when YouTube, YouTube, I think took away the downvote. It was the one video that I had more downvotes than upvotes. Like we had a lot of downvotes, but the algorithm, because like, there's a lot of people engaging this, they just kept sharing this over and over. And it was, <laughs> it was amazing. It was like, this video sucks but it's getting a lot of views, yeah. but it sucks. And the comments are terrible. I'm like, oh, whatever, right? You like, know, what? I'll take the win but, at this
0: point, right? <laughs> I'll
1: totally take the yeah. win. But that's yeah. the thing is there's no way you can learn that no matter how many classes you take or whatever until you actually do it and see it and then see the reaction to it. And like, oh, and from now on in any interview, I bite my tongue after I ask a question because I have a tendency to be like, mm-hmm, yeah. So I am literally biting my tongue after asking questions question to ensure that the expert, you know, says their, you know, answers the question, says their thing without me interrupting.
0: You know, I had a, it's not here anymore. I don't know what I did with it, but I had a sticky note on my computer screen that said, like, stop saying, um, I think I would go like, oh, love it. Yeah, I love that. Like after every single time. And I would, thankfully I didn't get blown up on YouTube or LinkedIn or something for it. But if you go back and listen, probably even to this episode, I'm sure I have my own ticks. but it's funny. Cause I just wrote like a little sticky note on how to improve. Just say, Hey, don't say this, don't say this so much and watch out for this word. And it's, it's interesting because you do see that out of the corner of your eye and you, and you train yourself and it's just a better a way to help better yourself and continue to innovate and uh, really hone your skill.
1: For sure, and you, I I can see our guests doing it. Like my favorite one is, "That's a good question." (laughs) How many people have, after I've asked a question, the person say, "That's a good question," and they go right into, um, and it's more apparent when you start looking at the transcripts
0: Mm. and you're seeing it. I bet, yeah,
1: that's a good question. (laughs) Or another one I just saw was right. So I said that, I say it, that person <laughs> would, would say right, and there would be it's funny because the transcript would be right and question mark, and you'd see a whole bunch of them right, question mark, right, question mark, right, question mark. And it's, it's interesting to see, but you wouldn't know until you actually, you know, be on camera for a while to really, you know, pick up on something like that.
0: Another thing that's important is to, to listen back, as painful as it might be, it's yes. just listen back to yourself, whether it's a podcast, uh, a YouTube video. Um, I mean, we are getting off like on a buddy trail, TikTok content, whatever it is, like whatever you're putting out there, listen back to yourself and it'll make you cringe. I make myself cringe, but I force oh. myself to do it from time to time. And I'll hear myself speak too fast and just blow through words and be like, What did I just blend together there in that sentence? Yeah, or I will hear myself uh just say um all the time. And that's where I can get those notes. And write down on a sticky note to help myself improve, and uh, it's a pretty easy exercise to follow.
1: Yeah, you know the second point I wanted to 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 talk about, going back to the quality of your camera, is that with YouTube Shorts, with um, TikTok and Reels, you're not expected to have a superpower like high production value like that. Those platforms are expecting you to be authentic, and you can tell if there are ads or you know highly produced content people will, you'll swipe because it's like yeah. yeah that's that's a commercial i know it because it looks way too over the top mm-hmm. right so there's there's yeah it's an interesting like a lot of youtubers have been talking about like in the past couple of months is like should i do more shorts content versus long form content versus tiktok content because now there's too much content for you to actually produce. And I'm even finding a hard time um, just on my personal stuff. Should I keep producing YouTube content? Should I now focus on TikTok content? Like it's a tough kind of, and like I have all the equipment to do YouTube stuff, like big, like, you know, highly produced ones, but then I'm also finding it's easier to do TikTok, but you have to do a lot more of them. So there is that dilemma now about the type of content that you're
0: creating. Yeah. It's, it's, a tough spot for marketers to be in because we're always bombarded with, this is the platform you need to be on. This is the thing you need to be doing. Here is the campaign that you need to launch. And it is easy to fall into the trap of trying to do everything and then everything falling flat because you didn't focus on it. So one thing that we do is we focus on a couple of key drivers um, LinkedIn content for us and our podcasts are what our marketing drivers are right now. And we really don't do anything else. We don't have a company TikTok page. We don't, we might have a YouTube channel, but we don't post to it. Um, I mean, obviously, a Facebook page is at this point pretty pointless, but we don't <laughs> post anything to that. But it's just like those are the things out there that probably other people are doing well. And uh, there's just no point for us to try to be everywhere and just totally fail. So it's Definitely. good to pick a couple of those key drivers that you know. Look, we're going to sink our teeth into this, go at it for the long run, and really stick to it. And once we master it, then you can add some additional, um, you know, things to your your content strategy or your marketing strategy as a whole.
1: Yeah, and and th- that's always been the the advice I've always heard, right? And and you know, from like you know Joe Pulizzi at the Content Marketing Institute, and he always references the um, the how media how any media gets um like grows like the New York Times um ESPN they had one channel and then they, they diversified they never diversified first because it's too too hard to keep up with that so not to not to say that you can't repurpose your content to different channels like I know we've started to see some um uh great success by you know repurposing our, YouTube to TikToks and to, to some reels and to YouTube shorts, because, you know, it's a little bit easier to just, you know, do a vertical, you don't have to put like too much um, overlays or titles on it and just post it with a little bit of captions with, with the, with the captions of of the speaker. And it's actually getting, it's actually picked up quite well. So there's not much work on that, but yeah, like you definitely got to focus or else it's, you, you won't have enough. Um, time in the day and people or resources. If you try to do everything all at once,
0: you mentioned uh, YouTube shorts. What have been your, what's been your experience with that? Is that something, if we have the resources we should explore or is it just a knockoff um, of TikTok and Instagram reels?
1: Well, everything was, was <laughs> well, I think right now TikTok is, is, is taking all the air out of everything. Like, cause it's super, super popular and everyone's trying to catch up. Um, but from a YouTube Shorts perspective, I have noticed some of my content has been reaching more people—not necessarily our top audiences—but it has extended the reach a little bit more than a typical YouTube channel, a YouTube video, which takes a little bit longer time. Like I've noticed, our top performing videos today were ones that we did about a year and a half ago. Like they are all—they will—they're just get—they're just con, con, continuously consuming all the the watch time and the views and but that's how i think about youtube is that the content you're creating today like let's say i publish a video today i don't expect it to actually perform until like a year from now like from a from a youtube seo perspective some some videos just blow up for for reasons like I'm, sometimes i don't know but a lot of our consistent performers are the ones that we produced i don't know like seven eight 10, 12 months ago and yeah it's sort of like money in the bank that you're investing that you won't see a return for a while. But if, and that's the whole point of being consistent and being patient because like, you know, you can put any analogy of being patient and then they'll pay off later down the road. You know, I've noticed the
0: same thing about our podcast and our podcast isn't like charting by any means. Um, I mean, we get a decent amount of listeners, but it's like it's not the top marketing podcast in the world. But what's interesting is the same exact trend seems to happen where with a podcast, just audio form. Right. And you'll notice you'll start to hit like a plateau of listeners after you, you start. And it's tough to get that audience growing. But once you do, You obviously start to see an uptick in the initial amount of downloads you get for a podcast. But really where I like to look is just like you said, on some of those older podcasts that are still out, those are the ones getting a bunch of downloads where it's like, oh, wow, people are still listening to this. And it's driving the overall monthly download um, number. And It's really interesting to see that people do go back for that content. So it's, it's just like you said, it takes time to get to that point but it will come.
1: Yeah. And and the, I don't know if this is the golden rule, but this is sort of like my general rule is if you're going to start a podcast, if you're going to start a, a YouTube channel, expect or plan to create 100 videos. Like that is your goal. That is the production goal. Plan to create 100 and expect to have no one pay attention. Like if you can do that, And if you can create those, those hundred videos, it, it, for some, it always pays back. Like every single person that I've consulted with, even my wife. So she has a, she started a YouTube channel on HR and I keep telling her it's the the most boring topic that I find, (laughs) but she, she and her guests, they geek out on it and they enjoy it. And obviously I am not the audience for it. I would not but be I as told well, her hey. so that's okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, I don't even know why. And she was telling me all these people that she interviewed and they're they're huge in her field. and I was like, I don't know any of these people. I've never heard of any <laughs> of them. but apparently they have huge followings in in the profession. I'm like, this is amazing for you, not for me And, I'm listening and I am. Like, Great. But I told her like, hey, plan for a hundred videos and she stuck to it. And yeah, really? she just hit, she just hit where her 1000 sub and I was like, it's, but she has learned to over time, like you could see her first video to her current video, so much more comfortable in front of the camera, less awkward ticks. Um, now it's just second nature to ask the questions and even her editing has becoming a little bit more like she's adding some cool transitions and all that kind of stuff to it when before it was super, but. Like, again, she had to learn all the, she had the scar tissue. She had like, oh, this doesn't work. This guest was terrible. Like she, (laughs) she now knows like, you know, she can get the feel of what the audience wants versus what they don't. That's just like with a podcast, I would say the same thing. Go for 100 before you even make a decision for videos, go for 100. I know it's, it's hard. It's like, that's a daunting task, but I'm like, trust me, you'll be way better and you will thank yourself
0: that you did it. Yeah. So in regards to YouTube, let's say this is a B2B company and they they haven't really identified where their key drivers are. And of course, the first thing you need to do is talk to customers uh, and talk to buyers, right? And see where they're consuming content. Um, would you advise them that YouTube could possibly be a great place to start with a content uh, campaign or strategy? Or is this like, you know what, try something else to start and then continue
1: this down the road when you have more resources. What would you say to that? Mm, uh, the first thing I would say from like, it, because you're starting off from like, in terms of a content strategy, right? And like, you know, all the goals, it's defined like, what do you want to do out of your content? Like if your goal, if your entire goal is to, you know, sell and, and you know, gain, like build your audience, so you can market to within three months, probably, probably not the... The best, like you probably want to do a different strategy. I think if I would say there's over 2 billion active users on YouTube, and that was like what last year, I'm sure it's grown. Um, so yeah, if you if you say if you say right now, oh, my audience is not on TikTok, but your audience probably on TikTok, probably on TikTok. <laughs> I would guarantee your audience is on YouTube, like they will be there, right? And you just need and as much as people focus entirely their entire strategy on Google, it's like, Oh, we need an SEO strategy. People forget like the second largest search engine in the world is YouTube. And like when we were hitting 200, like now we're hitting what 45 hours of watch time a day. I want you to think about that for a second in a 24 hour day, there are, 45 hours worth of people watching your content or 250 hours or 300, or whatever it was that we were hitting. No amount of PR, no amount of paid search, no amount of paid anything can, can match that type of consumption from your target audience. But you just have to right, take the time to actually do it. So to answer your question, yes. YouTube is your, your audience will be there. And it's not as hard to start as you think it is because yay, you have a phone and B you have the questions from your customers. So all it is about is just starting to answer them. And people don't expect the whole high production. Like if you're a B2B company, you can just post you answering those questions on on the on 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 your linkedin page or your personal page and yeah that'll fly like mm-hmm. because people are asking those questions so you know that's something in your industry that people want to know
0: yeah that's awesome man i appreciate you uh diving into that strategy you know we had a bunch like plans and that's why i said in the beginning like hey we have you know a couple directions we're going to go but we've literally just talked about YouTube, which is even better. So we, uh, we ended up honing in, which is awesome. But um, a couple of closing questions for you. This is something I, I asked all our guests just to kind of get some feedback. Um, you know, in regards to your website strategy at Benevity, um, and maybe this isn't something that you're over, but I'm just curious, what's something you guys have recently tried and did it work or did it not work? and the reason i ask is just we're always looking to help companies improve their website and i love the peer to peer advice of oh watch out for this or you got to you got to try this
1: yeah um so it actually was something that we we talked about earlier and, and what we were finding is is in in our industry we were getting Visitors who are not our ICP, who are not our prospects, visiting our website, just in the, in the space we're in, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of our nonprofits. So, and this is kind of like a more of a paid search uh, thing that we tried, where we wanted to look at, hey, let's let's put a landing page, so help people self-identify. Oh, are you this or are you this, and like from the paid search landing page perspective, it tanked our the number of demo requests for that because we just found like people, even that simple task of them clicking one or the other, which you think, oh, this is super simple, then it helps. They don't want to do it. They want to do path of least resistance. So if you can make your website super, super simple, And I think, you know, I I remember Chris Walker talking about this in another podcast. Today's B2B buyers, they just want to go to your, the way that we thought people went to our website versus the way that people are going to websites today is much different. They're, yeah, they read your content, sure, they bounce. And if they want to buy, they want to get to your site, maybe look at your products, but they want to make sure, hey, get that demo, you know get that interaction going and they want to leave. I think most people would rather be on whatever social platform they prefer and they're not there. I think it's hard for me to keep telling our even our executives, "Hey, people don't surf the web. They don't just go randomly to website to website to website. They want to go to yours. They want to get, you know, whatever in their information they want to find that and they want to do whatever interaction and they want to leave." They don't yeah. want to stick around. Don't try to create a content hub that you keep. No, they don't want to do any of that. They just want to go leave. Like when's the last time any of you have actually gone to a website and just stayed there because their <laughs> content was amazing. Yeah. No, not me. no, no one does that.
0: You know, what's interesting is, and I, I've said this a few times, so it's pretty well published like these thoughts, but it's a lot of times depending on how you're doing your marketing, your buyer, if they have to get to 10 to be in buying mode, right? If they have to get to 10. A lot of times they're already at an eight or nine by the time yes. they get to your website in today's buying world in B2B SaaS specifically. So it's like, get them to 10. Get, just simply give them the option to book a demo, clarify what you do in a couple sentences so it registers in their mind that they're in the right, right spot and then if you if they need to explore deeper into the site, give them the option to do that. But don't overcomplicate the process because that's exactly what a ton of B2B companies are doing right now, is just making it too hard.
1: Yeah, you know, like you can use the tools like hot jar, you can use scroll depth, but it's like it's pretty simple. Most people coming in through a mobile device, and for some B2B, sure they're desktop, but they're super busy. They're not going to scroll past maybe 30% of your fold. Mm-hmm. So why even have all that content there? Then there's a whole bunch of fluff, like industry language that was like, I don't understand any of this, like, and even the see a demo, get a demo. I've seen some, like, what does that even mean? Like your call to action, you're trying to be clever. Don't yeah. be Unlock clever.
0: Clarity or something like <laughs> <Whatever>. that.
1: <laughs> don't be clever. Yes. Like people want to see a demo see a demo they want to get a demo talk to sale like make it really really simple don't try to get cute because no one cares like yeah i'm sorry no one cares they want to just get the whatever task done
0: you are speaking my language here uh that's exactly uh how aligned we are on that that's that's funny um well awesome carl this has been a lot of fun um why don't you tell us what Benevity does? Give us like a 30 second rundown. I know you were on episode 163, but for those listening to this episode first, um, let us know what you do.
1: Yeah. So Benevity is a a corporate, uh, I would say a a tool that helps spread goodness around the world. So the, the whole focus is to help businesses, big or small, um, we used to target enterprise, but now, now now, pretty much everyone to enable their employees to do good, whether it's do good in donations, do good in in actions, like that's the whole purpose of, of Benevity and, and enables um, companies to do that. That's awesome, man.
0: Well, Carl, it's been a lot of fun having you back for the reunion tour. Um, appreciate you being here, man. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. Good luck.